Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... He's not going to measure and weigh out your bad or your good. Everything hinges on this. What did you do with Jesus? I sent my only begotten son, the perfect, spotless lamb of God, the sacrifice for your sins. He died on the cross in your place for your sins. And I extended the opportunity for you to be forgiven and cleansed and enter into relationship with me. And if you received him, I received you, God would say. And if you rejected him, I reject you, God would say. What are you doing with Jesus? Pastor Bill encourages you to consider this question within today's message. The thing that will ultimately matter at the end of your life is what you did with the knowledge of Jesus. Did you receive him and follow after him? Or did you reject him and turn away? Pastor Bill pleads with you to receive Jesus today. Don't wait until tomorrow to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Receive Jesus today and enter into eternal life with Him. Receive Jesus and be made alive. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, as he continues his message, intro. When you understand that God loves you for nothing, when you understand that even though you're bad, God cares about you, when you understand that even though you haven't performed well, God's grace says that God's been good to you even though, even still, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor from God, then you can have peace. You can have the peace of God because if if my status, if my peace with God was based on my performance, how many of you guys would say your spiritual performance is up and down? Raise your hand. Be honest. All right. So then your peace would be up and down because it's based on how you're doing. So if you're doing really good today, I got up early. I did devotions. I prayed. I didn't fight on the way to church. I'm here. Whew, I'm Today I, I got peace. Right. Then when you leave and somebody cuts you off and your finger does that thing it does and all everything goes wrong. And it's like, oh, man, <laughs> the peace gone. You know, it can just come and go. get ebb and flow. I know y'all don't do that. Not at this church. But, you know, I've seen some of y'all elsewhere, you know, so the mother churches. But we want to be careful. Right. Our peace is connected to the grace of God, unmerited, undeserved. God's goodness puts me at peace. Um, it doesn't free me to live reckless. It actually causes me to want to worship and obey. Right. And so um, grace to you and peace from God, the father and our Lord Jesus Christ. These gifts of grace and peace come from God where they're not manufactured. Man can't give them. These are given to us by God, undeserved, unmerited. Now, as we begin verse three, Paul jumps right into a prayer. And I'm going to say this about prayer. We normally think to pray for those that are doing bad, right? If you, if you say, hey, we're going to have a time of prayer, we're going to be praying. And usually we are praying for the sick, the hurt, our unbelieving friends, people we wish would get saved, people we wish would knock it off and get off drugs and stay married and X, Y, and Z. Those are the, those are the top, like, man, I'm praying for those things. But you know what gets missed often? We forget to pray for those that are doing well. We forget to pray for those that are, they're actually in the fight. They're doing well with the Lord. They're thriving. Sometimes we look at those people and we think, oh, they're good. And maybe we need to reconsider. I'm not saying that we don't pray for the other folks. They need it too. So don't take them off the prayer list. But I'm saying maybe we need to consider those that are serving the Lord. Those that you know that, hey, they're walking strong. When we consider doing well with the Lord, that you pray for those people too. Because the attack that they're going to be under, right? 
It's those that are serving the Lord fruitfully. It's those, those that are that are doing well with the Lord. They're going to come under a different type of attack from the enemy. And so Paul here is going to a pretty lengthy prayer for them. And again, this isn't a church. This isn't this isn't Corinthians. This isn't a church that's wilding out and, and going crazy. You know, this is a group that's doing well. And Paul's like, man, I got to I'm going to open up. Just I'm going to pray for you guys. And let's look at what he prays for this church. It'll teach us how to pray. And I would, I would encourage you guys that we would pray that this, this could be a model for how we pray for Christian servants, how you pray for your kids, how you pray for your loved ones. Those that are, those that are walking with and serving the Lord, remember to pray for them. Look at verse three. Now it says, we give thanks to God, the father and our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you. So Paul opens up, but we give thanks. I got to keep telling you this. Where's Paul at? Paul is in prison writing a letter to some free Christians. And the first thing he wants to tell them is, man, I give thanks for you guys. I want you to think about if you was in prison for preaching the gospel and you wrote a letter to the church that was free. How many of y'all would be like, it's so messed up in here. You guys are so lucky you're free. Paul is not thinking about himself. Paul is like, you know what? I thank God for you guys. I praise God for how you're doing. I'm hearing about how you're doing. Even though I'm locked up, it blesses me to hear how you're doing. We give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you guys, always praying, always for you guys. Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope, which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, Paul said, look, since since the time we heard about you guys and remember, Paul's co-laborer, Epaphras, is the one that established the work here. And when Paul heard that there were believers here, he said, man, I've been praying for you guys since I heard about you. And again, I I just as I read this, I'm trying to I want to I want the word to be made practical. When you guys hear about believers, you hear about someone getting saved, you hear about a a group of Christians. Do you just kind of hear about it and just keep it moving? Or do do you say, man, I need to pray for them? I'm going to encourage us as we read this letter of Colossians that we're what we're learning, what we're taking in here, that as we become aware of, hey, there's some believers over there doing this, that we would pray for them. We would say, God, I want to lift them up to you. They need prayer. I'm going to pray that you bless that ministry. I'm going to pray that you would cause them to be fruitful and effective in what they're doing. So Paul says, man, I'm, I'm praying for you guys ever since I heard about you and your faith in Christ. I've been praying for you. He's heard about their faith in Christ and their love for all the saints. Here's important here, right? They have a great testimony. Paul didn't say, man, I heard about all the, the you know, with, with, with the Corinthian church, Paul said man, he was hearing about all the mess that they had going on. He was hearing about sexual sin and selfishness and misuse of gifts. Paul says, you guys, I've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and how you guys are loving the saints. Again, that's the kind of Christian that we want to be. We want to be the kind of believer that, you know, that would be your testimony that, that you love the Lord. You got faith in God and you love the saints. And I think we should be concerned as believers for what's our testimony among the saints and what is our testimony among those that are outside? If people that work with you were called in and say, hey, tell me about her. Tell me about him. What would they testify about you? I'm not saying the people that would lie and make up some stuff that's not true. I'm saying the people that would be just going to give us the truth. What would people have to say? About you. What's your testimony among those in the church, those outside the church? Be concerned for that. You know, live in such a way that I would like that to be my testimony that I got faith in Jesus and that I love the church. I love the saints. 
I want to say this, right? We're living right now. Would you guys agree we're living at a very tumultuous time in history? Division all over the place. If you guys are on social media, everybody's tearing, everybody's telling their opinions and fighting with people that don't agree with their opinions. And, and it's, it's yik, yak, yak. Now, here's the sad thing. There are Christians that are doing that. Right. They're Christians right now. If you're a non-believer, you're watching some of your Christian friends and they're like, wow, they really hate those Christians over there. They really can't stand Christians that don't agree with them on this thing because that's all that's going forth. Be careful about that. That's your testimony to the world. That's what you're displaying before the church and before the world. Paul says what I heard about you guys, your faith in Jesus and how you love the church. Be careful about saying something, posting something believing something and living in a way that doesn't love God's church. Cause guess what? Even when the church is doing something I don't agree with, whose church are they? They're still God's church and he still loves them. I, I need to be careful how I talk. I need to be careful what I say. I need to be careful the spin I put on things. Um, are there Christians that I disagree with for sure? They disagree with me too, right? Absolutely. There are some Christians. I'm like, I don't agree with that, but they're still going to heaven. And I'm going to be careful how I put my mouth on that. I'm going to be careful about what I say in public about that. I'd rather a private conversation with some people than to blast them in public. Again, when I think of my social media, I think of I got a bunch of Christian friends and I got a bunch of non-believing friends. What do I want to display to the people that don't know Christ? What I don't want to display is how I'm beefing with some part of the church. Be careful that we're living in a climate that is very, everybody's feeling free about doing that. Be careful that you don't waste your witness fighting with saints. Amen? Because you're going to see people do it. Just be careful that you don't get pulled into it. You might start typing something and the Holy Spirit just says, not necessary, not helpful, not beneficial. Don't post it. Don't go there. So moving on, Paul heard about their, their love for Christ. I mean, their faith in Christ, their love for all the saints. Verse 5, he says, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Paul says, look, you guys have a hope, a hope that's laid up for you and you heard it in the truth of the gospel. The hope that's laid up for every believer is the hope of heaven. And this is so important because we're alive. The Bible says that our life is but a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. We don't know how long we get. Right. Every week there's somebody dies that we weren't thinking that they were going to die. People die. Some people are blessed to die of old age where we thought, wow, that was a good long life, you know. And some people die out of season where it's like, wow, that was, they were so young. There seemed to be so much more left to do. But death comes and we're not in control of when it comes or how it comes. But death comes for everybody. A hundred out of a hundred people die. The only people that won't die are those that are going to be raptured up to go to be with the Lord. And so with that. We want to be prepared for death when it comes. And the only way to prepare for death is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because everybody here, this is important for us to understand. Every human being is, is an eternal being. And I want you to know that every one of you will exist for eternity. And it's what you do with Jesus Christ that determines where you will spend that eternity with the Lord in heaven, which is the hope of the believer or forever separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell describes as a place of outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing of gnashing of teeth and fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. Those are the two options 
and the deciding factor when you stand before God one day, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed to man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And you're going to live one life. You're going to stand before God when you do. You're not going to come back as an orangutan, a pit bull, a cockroach, or a frog. You're going to stand before God, and you're going to give an account for what you did with Jesus. God's not going to measure your good and your bad. If he did, y'all don't know how bad y'all are. All y'all bad outweigh your good. But he's not going to measure and weigh out your bad and your good. Everything hinges on this. What did you do with Jesus? I sent my only begotten son, the perfect spotless lamb of God, the sacrifice for your sins. He died on the cross in your place for your sins. And I extended the opportunity for you to be forgiven and cleansed and enter into relationship with me. And if you received him, I receive you, God would say. And if you rejected him, I reject you, God would say. And so each of us here, as Paul says, you guys to the Colossians, they have faith. They love one another. They have a hope that's laid up for them in heaven because of the gospel that they've heard. That means they heard it and they received it. And if you're here and you heard the gospel and received it, you have a hope too. You have a hope in heaven. You have a hope that no matter what happens on this life, one day for you, it's going to be way better. Even if it's going awesome for you now as a believer, it's still going to be way better. That's your hope as a believer, that one day you're going to be with the Lord. We'll be in heaven with the Lord. There'll be no sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no tears, no more bills. Your sin nature will be gone. You won't be what you are right now. That's what we're looking forward to. That's the hope that we have, that one day we'll be in heaven with the Lord. That hope is only for the believer. I get sad sometimes where I'll see a a public figure die that was not a believer, and then everybody says, R.I.P. Right. But that's not true. Right. Y'all know everybody ain't resting in peace. It's people got tattoos on for the homie, you know, Jay Rooker, you know, that that died, you know, died in a shootout gangbanging. It's like they got arrested. He ain't resting in peace. He died in his sins. Y'all know everybody don't rest in peace. It's the only people that are in peace are believers that have died in Christ. And so we want to be sure everybody here that's listening, everybody online, listen, you can be saved. If you're not saved, but you're living today, you can be saved. And I would, I would plead with you that you would receive, that you would come to Christ and that you receive his forgiveness for your sins and be saved. And then we like the church in Colossae would have the same hope, the hope of heaven that we receive with the truth of the gospel. Verse six now, He says, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. And so I love this here. Paul is saying, look to the Colossians. You guys heard the gospel, the same gospel that you heard has been preached all over the world. And as you guys heard it and received it um, as truth. It brought a change. It's bearing fruit in their life and their relationship with the Lord. And Paul is giving thanks to God for that. Let me encourage you as you see God doing a work in someone's life, as you watch a person give their life to Christ or start walking, we should give thanks to God. We should thank God when we see fruit in someone's life. Lord, I thank you for that brother. I thank you for that sister. I thank you for what you're doing in their life. Thank you that the word is bearing fruit in their life, Lord. I can see that they're being transformed. They're not the same. They're moving forward. Pray for those kind of people. Pray for the people that you see and they're they're making, they're moving forward. They're going forth in the Lord because you know who's going to be coming after them to try to hinder him? The enemy. Right. They're going to be all kind of roadblocks. He's going to throw. He's going to throw some old friends and some old people. Pray for those that you see 
Man, the gospel is having an effect. Their lives are being changed because you can be certain that at every juncture, the enemy is going to be there hurling darts and throwing roadblocks and trying to be a hindrance. And we want to stand with and pray for those that we see moving forward. Moving on now, verse seven, it says, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. And so Paul names the guy that was ministering to them, this man, Epaphras. Uh, he says he's a fellow servant, a faithful minister in, in Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. And so let me say this about a faithful minister. I know I'm blessed to be able to be in the ministry. There's some other men that are here today that are in the ministry and they serve the Lord in different ways. What is it? When Paul says, man, this guy is a faithful minister of Christ. This is what it meant. That guy faithfully preached the gospel no matter what. He faithfully preached the gospel in different climates. When it was popular, when it was not popular, uh, when it was being received, when it was being rejected, a faithful minister will just continue to do what God has given him to do. So that'll help you to determine what's an unfaithful minister of the gospel. The person that says, I'm not going to preach that because people don't like it. <laughs> you know, that's not a faithful minister of the gospel. Someone that'll change the gospel to make it more palatable for people is not a faithful minister of the gospel. Someone that'll take sections of it out, right? They're guys that just won't say hell. They're like, people don't want to hear about hell. It's so, it's so legalistic and harsh. Y'all know, is hell a reality? Do y'all understand? Y'all know why I got saved? I got saved because of the understanding that I was going to die and go to hell. That's how I got saved. Right. Heaven didn't. I don't know why heaven didn't do it. Right. Some of you can go to heaven. Uh, uh, I, I don't know why that didn't click. But when I understood you're going to die and go to hell, I was like, yo. You can't, I can't, I can't manipulate my way out of hell. You can't shoot hell. You know, you can't trick you. You just going to burn. And I was like, God, I, I want to be, I'm going to get saved now. You know, that was for me that my, when God illuminated that truth, that was, that brought me to the place of saying, I'm, I'm going to yield. I don't want that. I don't want to die. I don't want to be separated from God for eternity. I'm grateful for the person that was bold enough to tell me the truth. And somebody else handed me a track. It was a, uh, I, I got a pack of them at home. It's, it's a track that says, what to do to go to hell on the front. Not your typical track that people hand out. You know, most people give a track to say steps to peace with God or, you know, something like that or whatever. But this track said what to do to go to hell. And when you opened it up, it said in bold print, nothing. And then it read this verse from John's gospel. It had John chapter three, verse 18. It said this, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And I can tell you when I read that in concert with the guy that had been witnessing to me, I felt like God had personally visited me and said, I'm trying to rescue you from hell. And I was like, okay, I want to be saved. So, so I get real offended at a minister that will take that part of the gospel out. Cause that's what some people need to hear. Somebody might be drawn to the love of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, but we're all different, right? I needed to know that, you know, for me, punishment, I understand punishment. If you die like you are, it's going to be bad forever. Word? I, I'm, <laughs> all right. That was the understanding that I needed to know. That's part of the gospel. We got to give the whole thing out. So uh, this guy, Epaphras, Paul says, is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He also had declared to Paul about this group and their love in the spirit. Now, 
In verse 9, Paul begins to lay out, uh, he starts off the phrase with, for this reason, um, he's going to tell them why he's writing and why he's, what he's wanting to see God do in them. Verse 9, he says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Now, second time, Paul says, we just don't stop praying. And can I just encourage you guys that maybe there are people you're praying for and then you stop praying. Don't stop praying, right? Continue to pray. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful to bring them before the Lord. I was thinking of this, right? In in the book of Acts, there was a lot of persecution happening to the church. It was politically popular to persecute Christians. And so they took John, not the apostle John, but they took the other John and they took James and they killed a believer because it was a popular thing to do for the people there. But then they took Peter and Peter got in prison. And when Peter got in prison, the church prayed and God delivered Peter. And so I've always looked at that scenario and I'm not saying that they didn't pray when the other brother was taken, but it doesn't say that they prayed. It just says when Peter was taken, that the church was given, they had a prayer meeting going on at one of the sisters house nonstop. And they were just praying and praying and praying. And then God delivered Peter supernaturally from the prison. And so there's something to say for believers coming together to pray, praying for one another, praying for the work that God is doing. Even and it takes faith to pray. You don't see anything happen usually right away when you pray. And I think that's why some people maybe aren't consistent in prayer. You don't see right away. But be consistent in prayer. Pray for your brothers and sisters that are doing the work that God has given for them to do. They need to be covered and lifted up. And so Paul says, look, we don't cease to pray for you in the acts that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So this is what Paul is praying for them first, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I believe that's a great prayer to pray for every believer, right? I can pray that for every Christian I know. God, I pray you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God, fill them with a knowledge of your will, what you want to accomplish, what what you want them to be doing. Why is this important? Because if you don't know the will of God, you're going to waste your life. If you don't know that God has called you to do this, and you could be wasting your time doing that. And so that's, this is a good prayer to pray. God, I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that, that, that we wouldn't waste our lives, that we wouldn't waste our potential, that we wouldn't be sitting on spiritual gifts where God is like, man, I, there's something, there's so much greater that I'd like to be doing in your life, but you've chosen that instead. He's praying that God would fill him with a knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then in verse 11, he says why he's praying that. Why why do I want you to be filled with all wisdom and, and spiritual understanding? Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Four reasons why we need to be walking in the will of God. One, that we be walking worthy of the Lord, right? Why is walking in the will of God make me worthy in the Lord? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 that I've been bought at a price, right? My life was purchased by the blood of Jesus. So God says, I I own you. I purchased you with my own blood. Therefore, you should be doing what I want you to do with your life. Your life belongs to me. And so to walk worthy, the first thing he says is that you may walk worthy of the Lord. That should be the desire of every believer The second thing is this, fully pleasing him. 
And it's possible, you guys, that we could walk and live in such a way that is fully pleasing the Lord. That God would look and say, that's exactly what I created you to do. Some of us think that we cannot please the Lord fully. We think, oh, no, I'm just too imperfect. I mess up all the time, blah, blah, blah. But God says, look, you could actually walk fully pleasing to me. Know my will and do it. That, that'll please me. God is easy, y'all. God's not, God's not hard to please. God's like, just seek me. I'll let you know what I want you to do and do what I want you to do. It pleases me. We understand that there are a great many programs you could have listened to today. So we're super blessed you chose to join us on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. You know those times when it's too hard to be quiet and you just have to speak? Paul finds himself in this position after he hears the trouble false teachers are stirring up in the church in that day. The truth was being twisted, and it was so important to Paul that he wrote a letter to people he'd never even met. Talk about laying aside one's own apprehensions for the good of mankind. Paul specifically shared with them, on a personal level, what he knew about Jesus. We, too, desire to help any and all individuals know Jesus in a tangible way and build a lasting relationship with Him. If this piques your interest, please locate the Know Jesus tab on our website, which is calvaryinglewood.org. All the information you need is right there. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Or better yet, please give us a call at 310-245-4811. We would love to connect with you. Just in case you missed it, that number is 310-245-4811. Our ministry is based in Inglewood, California at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're in the area, come check us out firsthand. Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube or Instagram. That's all the time we have for today. We look forward to connecting with you again right here on A Transforming Word.